Well, welcome back. This morning we're looking at God's Word again and I invite you uh, to think carefully about the things that we read in Scripture because the Word of God or the Scriptures is the Word of God. It is the mind of God. It is the voice of God. And we're about to hear that. We're about to listen to what God has to say through His Word. It is my privilege and honor to bring that to you Sunday after Sunday. And I hope uh, that you have shared this message uh, that you have heard before with others. I hope that you are here for the first time and perhaps you will get in touch with us and let us know that you have joined us this morning because that nothing thrills us more than the fact that you have joined us. So let's get started. This morning I want to take up a very timely topic, a very important topic. Eight ways to be a peacemaker. Eight ways to be a peacemaker. Let me begin by telling you this. Reconciliation is hard. It is hard. But it is not impossible. Reconciliation is hard, but it is not impossible. We need mediators. We need peacemakers. We need people who will be Christ between us. Mediators. Christ between us. One of the most significant contributions you can make through your life is by being a mediator, by bringing people together. Instead of being a divider, instead of segregating people, instead of polarizing people, we live in a time where there is heightened polarization, segregation, majorities, minorities, the suspecting, the suspected, we live at a time where right, left and center, we are inundated with news and views of who's right, who's wrong, who's bigger, who's smaller, who's stronger, who's weaker. We are, we are divided on all sorts of grounds. Today, more than any day before, the church is called, believers are called to be peacemakers, to be mediators, to be Christ between us. Christ was a mediator. He enabled us to be at peace with God and to be at peace with man. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator. He's the one who did it. He made it happen. Scripture after scripture says he made peace with God. He brought peace to a man. He, he got us back to the Father. Christ is a mediator who brings man and man together. He enables us to have peace with man too. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says this, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Like he comes as a wall between us and his flesh, that is his humanity, his, his incarnation, as he comes to us in humility, he comes between us and he mends the relationship between man and God, mends the relationship between people. I like what the message translation says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. He says, he tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He tore down the wall that we used to keep each other at a distance. Wow. So let me tell you a story found in a single chapter book of the Bible, a single chapter book of the Bible. It's called Philemon, Philemon. Here, Paul is in prison. <laughs> He's in prison, yet he is appealing for the freedom and the forgiveness of another slave, a guy called Onesimus. 
So Paul's in prison and he's appealing for the freedom and the forgiveness of someone else who's outside, who's free, but is a slave. So I want to take you to that one chapter book. Okay, it's called Philemon. And let's look through that. And I want to give you eight ways to be a peacemaker, to be an effective peacemaker. And if you and I, we will all as the church, as the members of Christ, as the body of Christ, be committed to not only being peaceful with people, but bringing peace among people. God's going to use us. Philemon chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. No, Paul was a prisoner of Rome. No, no, he doesn't say I was a prisoner of Rome. He didn't say they threw me in jail. He doesn't say I was in isolation. He doesn't say life was tough. Life was uh, unfair. He's in isolation. He's surrounded by guards. He's in jail. But Paul says, I'm a prisoner for Christ. You redefine your walls. He says, I'm writing to Philemon, our brother, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. I love that. He's, he's dedicating his letter. He's writing his letter, addressing his letter to Philemon, our fellow worker, a man who has been serving along with us, to Aphia, his sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier. And then he says to the church that's in your house, grace and peace to you from God, the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. So Philemon was in CL terms, in covenant life, our church terms. He was a home shepherd that the church met in homes. For many years, the church has been meeting in buildings and it's been getting bigger and bigger so that people can't actually talk to each other. They've been sitting in rows so that they don't have to actually look at each other. We have a start and a finish so they don't even have to meet each other. That has become the church. And God closed the church. And he sent us back home. And now we are like the first century church. We're in homes. And Philemon was a home shepherd. He hosted a church in his home. That's what the church was like in those days. Every day of the week, church met in homes. From home to home, house to house, Acts 20, 20, they met in homes. What a beautiful picture that is. And maybe today that's what God is bringing us back to. We need to seriously reconsider how God wants us to redefine our walls. Redefine our walls. Remove walls that are there and redefine walls. That aren't there. Paul was a Philemon was a home shepherd. Philemon was a home shepherd. So from this short letter, uh, Paul writes to Philemon from prison. He says, "Let me show you eight ways to be a peacemaker and why it matters today." Can I take you through that real quick? Let's go. The first thing I'm going to talk about is how to build a prayer deposit for people in your life. Build a prayer deposit for people in your life. The notes for this message are in the link uh, in your chat uh, section right there next to the live uh, stream. And if you go to my app, you'll find it there as well. So my notes are available and you can download, you can fill out and you can get the whole, uh, whole concept here. 
First and foremost, build a prayer deposit for people in your life. He says in verse 4, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of your faith. He says, I thank God for you. And every time I pray for you, I thank God for you. Every time I thank God for you, I pray for you. I thank God always for uh, when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord. And every time he, he thinks of people who are following hard after God, who are seeking God, who are, who are serving God, it excites the, the heart of Paul. He says that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. See, toward the Lord Jesus and toward the saints. Because that's always a mark of maturity. Personal devotion public ministry, personal devotion, public ministry. Build a prayer deposit for people in your life. You can never care to reconcile people you haven't been praying for. You can never care to be in the lives of people you haven't been praying for. When we pray for people, God gives us a holy compassion and burden. We don't think about how I'm going to be the answer. Or what will I say? or How do I have the answers? I only begin to understand that God is there. God exists. God has answers. God has peace. God has everything it takes for those two people to be put back together. And we begin to see hope in a picture of hopelessness, hope in a place of hopelessness. Number one, build a prayer deposit for people in your life. A second thing we want to understand here, a second way to be a peacemaker is pray for people to know their share value in Christ. Pray for people to know their share value in Christ. He says in verse 6, and I pray that, and now he's talking about what he prays for. The sharing of your faith may become effective. The sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. I'm going to do that again real slow. He says, I'm going to pray that when you share your faith, your sharing would be effective when you share your faith, faith in the hope of God, faith in the reconciliation of God, faith in the peace of God, faith in the healing of God. When you bring people together and you present your faith and you pray for them and you get involved, uh, here's what happens. He says, the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. That's what I mean. Pray for people to know their share value in Christ. When we pray for people, we want them to know what they are capable of in Christ. You ask a, a wife, she's like, no, I can't do it. No, no, no. I, I, I can't forgive him. I can. No, you, <laughs> I, you know, you can't. No, you can't. You say, oh, I can't believe what he said or she said. I can't get over what. No, you can't. But there is something inside you that Jesus has put. There is something that makes you capable of much more than you think you can or cannot do because you have that share in Christ, because you are in Christ. If Christ being godly can die for the ungodly and demonstrate his love that while we are still sinners die for us, how much more will he live through us to intercede for those who have petty problems with each other? So you need to understand your share value in Christ, the wealth and the resources and the ammunition that you have in Christ. So we pray for people to have that. Number three, acknowledge the good work that is invested before by the people whom you're trying to reconcile. 
if you go to people approaching them think, uh, with, with a view that they are they are useless, they are, they've always been that way, and, and we start pointing fingers and using language like you've always been this, you've never done anything right, you've always been mean, you've all, when you go in with that, you never get anywhere. A good mediator begins with saying, you have it in you to forgive. You have it in you to let go. I have seen you do this before. My brother, my sister, there is something you can do here as well. Just like that. So we go to verse 7. Acknowledge the good work invested before. He says, for I der derived much joy. Who's talking to whom? Paul's talking to Philemon. He's writing a letter to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. And he's trying to make peace with Philemon and Onesimus. And that's the story here. He says, for I derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. I have personally been a beneficiary of your love, of your, or your, your grace. I have seen what you're capable of. I know you have it in you to forgive. So he says, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Me, I have derived, I have experienced the goodness in you. And I know many others have experienced goodness in you. No, it's not just me. It's not just that you have never shown it. You have shown it and people have seen it. Come on, Philemon, Philemon. You're doing so much, brother. You're such a blessing. You have done so much in the past for me, for so many others. So before I say anything else, I want you to know that counts. Philemon, I've seen it. It matters. I know it's in you. I've seen Christ in you. I've seen the hope and the joy and the mercy of Christ in you. You are not incapable of this forgiveness, Philemon. Acknowledge the good work invested before. Acknowledge that there has been Christ-like character before. There has been a show and demonstration of the power of God before, of prayerfulness before. Let's move on. Number four, put your ego aside. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you need to put your ego aside. If you come into a fight, if you come into a conflict and then you set yourself up as a new authority and it becomes more about you and you can't take certain words or certain uh, punch swings in, in, in your direction, then you need, to, you need to rethink the way you mediate. Put your ego aside and appeal in love. Put your ego aside or who you think you are and appeal in love. Verse 8, accordingly, he says, that said, having said that, having told you what you're capable of and how much I, I appreciate you and how much you've done, having said that, he says, accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you, though I'm bold enough to command you and do command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, for Christ's sake i prefer to appeal to you see what paul is saying is paul has already invested so much in philemon philemon owes him big time paul is a senior man he's an older man he says here i paul i'm an old man and now a prisoner also for christ jesus so he's a he's an old man he's a senior he's an apostle he's anointed by god he's the reason why philemon is in christ he has invested in philemon he recognizes and encourages philemon he has every right to say, Philemon, just do as you're told. But he says, no, I don't do that. I put my ego aside 
And I appeal to you, Philemon. I appeal to you out of love. Moving on, number five. Place a high value on people. After putting your ego aside and appealing in love. Number five. Place a high value on people. As I value you, Philemon, Paul is telling him. I also value Onesimus. Onesimus, Onesimus used to be the slave of Philemon. Onesimus used to work for Philemon. I don't know what went wrong. And I don't know what fell apart. But for whatever reason, Onesimus, Onesimus now has become a believer, is in the Lord and has been serving with Paul. And now Paul wants to reconcile Philemon and Onesimus. And he wants them to not just work together, but recognize that they are family in Christ, that they are brothers. So he says, place a high value on people. I value you, Philemon, but I also value Onesimus. Look at verse 10. He says, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he, used, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Verse 12, he says, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. See, if we don't value people, we won't fight for them. If we don't value people, we won't fight for the relationship. If you're able to just walk away from a relationship, if you're able to just let it lie, let it slide, if you're able to be comfortable with an hour, two hours, a day, two days, a year, two years of broken fellowship, then you are not putting a high premium on relationships. God puts a high premium on relationships. We need to place a high value on people. If you're going to fight for people, if you're going to fight not with people, for people, if you're going to fight for people, if you're going to fight to keep people together, you have to yourself place people at a high value. I value you, Philemon, but that's not because you're rich and you have a room for me and that you, uh, you have a car to take me around every time I come visit you. But I value Onesimus as well. And I, I value that both of you are okay with each other. I want you to be okay with each other. Let's move on. Number six. Presume the goodness of people, but not their consent. Presume their goodness, but not their consent. One more time. Presume the goodness of people, but not their consent. Look at what verse 13 says. I would have been glad to keep him with me. Onesimus, Onesimus great guy. Oh. I would have loved to have him, have him with me. Oh, he's such a help. He's he's an initiator. He's a he's proactive. He's so servant-hearted. I would have loved to keep him with me. But he's your slave. He belongs to you. He's rightfully yours. So in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, I would have loved to have kept him. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent. Presume the goodness of people, but not their consent. I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your accord. See, if I kept him, you'd be very happy. And I know that you would be good enough to let me keep him, even though he is your servant, he's your slave. But I'm not going to make you, compel you to be good to me. If you want him to be with me, you could send him. But first, you guys need to be okay. I would prefer this relationship be intact than me just benefit from Onesimus. I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Presume the goodness of people, but not their consent. Two more. Number seven. 
Reposition the relationship as family in Christ. Reposition the relationship as family in Christ. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you, Paul is telling uh, Philemon about Onesimus, that you might have him back forever. Maybe he parted from you for a while, that God wants you back together forever. Not as a bond servant, not as a slave, but more than a bond servant as a beloved brother. So when we reconcile people, we don't just bring it back to what it was. We hope for greater things. We bring it back to what, what it can be in Christ. What Jesus is capable of doing with that relationship. No longer as a bond servant, but more than a bond servant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and here it is, in the Lord, in Christ, in the Lord. So we reposition the relationships as family as beloved in Christ. Why should I reconcile people? Because they are in Christ. Because in Christ they, they, can, they can have so much more potential to that relationship. A relationship can fall apart in the flesh. But in the spirit, in God's, in God's strength, in Christ, it can be brought back together and it could have much more blessing than it even did while in the flesh. If you don't believe that, if you and I don't trust God for greater things, we will not fight for people. We will not be mediators and peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Lastly, appeal with confidence and trust God for more than you asked. Always believe that you're going to end up with greater blessing than you started. Always believe that God is able to do much more than just fix the problem. He's able to fix the problem and bring blessing out of the mess. Verse 17. So if you consider me your partner, Receive him as you would receive me. Change your view of him. You're not receiving Onesimus anymore. You're receiving Paul, Paul the Apostle. If he has wronged you at all, at all and he owes you anything, charge it to my account. Put it on my account. I'll pay it off. I'll take care of it. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I'm signing this, 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 this commitment here. I will repay to say, uh, to say nothing of your, you owing me in the first place. So Paul is saying, he's saying, if we were to stop and talk about how much you owe me, if we were to stop and ask how much you, you should be doing for me of, of your own free will, because you owe me, we, there would be so much more I could command you, I could demand you, and I could tell you to just do as you're told. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to appeal to you and I'm going to say I'll cover his costs. If he has frauded you, if he has uh, uh, incurred loss to you, I will cover it. But take him back. Take him back. See, re reconciliation is not just peace talking. It's not just words. We, we have to be willing to invest everything we have to build relationships because we realize that God puts a high premium on people, on relationships. Yes, brother. Verse 20. Yes, brother. I want some benefit from you in the Lord. There's nothing wrong with wanting it. So refresh my heart in Christ. Then he says beautiful words here in verse 21. Confident of your obedience, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. You will do even more than I ask. Number eight, appeal with confidence and trust God for more than you asked. Appeal for, with confidence and trust God for more than you asked. 
Let's close this letter. It's a one chapter uh, book in the Bible. Let's close this letter. Verse 22. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me. He's telling Philemon to get that room ready, his favorite room that faces the uh, the ocean. He says, get that room ready for me, for I'm hoping that from the, through your prayers, I will be I will graciously be given to you, that I will be given as a gift to you. I will come over to you. Verse 23. Epaphras. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. Hey, always connect people. He says, Epaphras, and so do Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. He's connecting people. You can see the value of relationships here. He's not just fixing broken relationships. He's making new relationships and he's connecting people. Hey, have you met so-and-so? Have you been in touch with so-and-so? Have you heard from so-and-so? How's, this, how's he going? Hey, you should call him. Hey, you guys should connect. You two will both will get along great together. Connect people, connect people, connect people. Be a connector, be a peacemaker, be a mediator. Verse 23, he says, Epaphras, my fellow. So there's Epaphras, he is the other guy in the same prison along with Paul. Paul's in prison and Epaphras is on the other side. He's he's scratching on the wall there and he's counting his days and, and, and he's saying, Epaphras, he also is sending great. Epaphras, hey, I'm writing to, to Philemon here. You want to say hi? Uh, and then and, and Epaphras is too busy trying to see how much water his bread can hold. Like, yeah, yeah. Said, never mind, never mind that. And he writes down, uh, Epaphras says hi. Epaphras says hi. And so do Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke. And those guys were down the corridor in prison. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. But my dear friend, my brother and sister, all around you, you hear divisiveness and segregation and mistrust and misunderstanding. And the voice of the church is a voice of peace and reconciliation. Peace with God, peace with man. Peace with God, peace with man. Jesus came to bring peace. Jesus came to make peace. In fact, he has made peace. And now he wants us, the body of Christ, to deliver the peace treaty. If Christ is the greatest mediator... Do you know the share value you have and the peacemaking power you have in Christ? I want you to think about this. You don't think you can be a difference? Different, make a difference? You can be uh, a difference to people in your life? You, you, don't, you don't think that you have the right words? You don't think that you know what to do? I'm asking you, do you know the share value you have in Christ? Do you know the peacemaking power that you have in Christ? As you explore who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ, you begin to understand that if you are in Christ, then everything Christ is capable of doing, he makes you capable of doing. He says greater things you will do if you believe. Do you believe? God bless you.